Welcome to the Pilot Podcast. Where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and recap other shows to answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And I'm Me Too. And this week we're reviewing the NBC show, The Enemy Within. So stay tuned to the end to see if BJ is the enemy within our podcast. Are you a double agent? I'm totally the hero. Mm, We'll see. Fine. Let's break down this episode and then we can start deciding who the real enemy is. Well, that answer is complicated, BJ, because the enemy kind of shifts as the episode develops. Mm -hmm. Erica Shepard is played by Jennifer Carpenter, who is serving in this role. Uh, Erica is quite literally an enemy of the state in that she is an intelligence agent. A terrorist called her, asked her for the four names of the agents trailing him, and she gave those names over, and uh, her fellow agents in the CIA and the FBI agents in charge of watching her, interrogating her, figuring out who she's working with. Yes, they don't know why she did it. So as far as the viewer and the agents are concerned, she was tired of America and gave up the names of these agents and opened up vulnerabilities for them to be attacked by this terrorist. And a lot of tragic things happened. Lives were lost. Will Keaton, played by Morris Chestnut's fiance, passed away in one of the bombings that the terrorists planned to kill all of the four agents and whichever bystanders were nearby who were tracking him. We fast forward three years. This terrorist is at large again. And they realize the only person that can help them is Erica Shepard because she was the best code breaker they had in intelligence period. And so she's back in and navigating what it means to be an enemy of the state, but also working for this state that locked you away without trying to figure out why you did what you did. Yeah, I think that was a good summary of kind of the whole plot, the motive, how things are set up, and what's this relationship between Erica and Will. And it made me realize this is a pretty common trope. I mean, this show is going to be a procedural drama. Yes. But outside of that, this setup reminds me of The Blacklist, uh, White Collar. Every single show you've ever seen about the FBI or the CIA when someone gives up information. But more specifically with White Collar and Quantico, you have someone who's seen as a criminal and then you have like a cop or FBI agent who's forced to work with this quote unquote bad guy. And then the bad guy of course, is the only one who can help solve real crimes out there. Yes. They redeem themselves. Turns out they have some tragic story involving a loved one. This is like a very well-used setup. I feel like I've seen a few Datelines growing up. Those are true crime, but of that same trope of someone who was some thief and a master at their craft, and now they (laughs) do consulting for security Mm -hmm. companies or... You know, hackers do cybersecurity consulting. Yeah. So it's it's something we like for some reason, viewers. I think it's an easy way to develop that emotional connection with characters in Erica's position. True. Because you're like, even though it seems like you're the bad guy, we as the viewers know you didn't want to do it. You know, you have this daughter you care about. Now you are trying to help save the day. You're supporting Will Keaton as he stops crimes. So it really builds up that character as someone who's very complex. I would walk on coals for Will Keaton. You would do anything for him, basically? I would do anything for Morris Chestnut, and I think he knows it. Does he know that? I've tried to make it clear. How have you 
reached out to him. I just projected into the universe. Remember when Oprah taught us about the secret? You just have to say it over and over again. I love you, Morris Chestnut. But speaking of Will Keaton, one thing that confused me about this show is he seems like a decent agent, but it feels like he never investigated why Erica Shepard did what she did. She had no motivation to be a terrorist and prior to that moment didn't have any kind of paper trail indicating she had been developing these sentiments for a while. So I don't get why he wouldn't investigate that further. Three years later, his boss was just like, you need to work with Erica. And he was like, oh, that person, she's the worst traitor in recent history. And she killed my fiance. And I don't know, can you have blinders like that when you're an agent at that level? I think it's a combination that at his level, maybe he does have the authority to keep up his blinders. And I think those blinders are still there because he lost his fiance. So that pain, that like emotional loss is kind of just giving him a one track mind. That's why he's like, I'm not going to try and sympathize with her or figure out her motive. She caused all these deaths, one that really took a toll on me. And that's where I'm drawing the line, period, the end. I agree. Maybe the higher up you are, the worse you can be at your job. The other question or confusion that I had was in the trailers for this show, Mm -hmm. they give away the fact that the terrorist had a live feed of Erica Shepard's daughter at the playground. And he literally counted down from five and said, give me the four agents names or your daughter will die. Mm -hmm. And so she yelled, stop counting, which for some reason, made me laugh. (laughs) And then she immediately gave the four names of the agents. Mm -hmm. And that's in the trailer. But in the show, that turns out to be the big twist. At the end of the show, we see the entirety of the call of her not just giving the names, but also the lead up that she saw her daughter was in literal danger. And I don't get why you gave something away in the trailer that you use as a twist in the show. So I also kept thinking throughout the show, I was confused and I thought maybe I had missed the scene as to why they're acting like they don't know why she did it. That's a really good point that they would make that an advertising selling point of the show. And then it turns out it's supposed to be a plot twist. I went into it with that understanding. So in the opening scene, when she was arrested, that confused me but it wouldn't have confused me had I not seen a trailer for the show. Do you think that maybe something changed between when they produced the pilot and when they when they started producing the rest of the series such that that no longer is a big plot twist? Hmm. So like, even though that first episode is set up in a way that it seems like a big deal, for the rest of the series, it doesn't matter as much. So they were willing to give it away in the trailer. True, because there's an actual bigger twist at the end of this episode Mm -hmm. outside of the reveal that she was coerced into giving those names. So maybe, but there were two twists. The reveal that she made to Will Keaton Mm -hmm. about what she had been tracking about the terrorist and the this other reveal that I can't get into without ruining it for any viewer. Which was very predictable, I thought. It was a very predictable twist. So I also think if your show is going to be based on twists and turns, they have to be really good or they have to be cheesy and fun. And this show is not fun. It's really intense. And there's a lot of crying. 
Can we, before we get into the crime and intensity, can we talk about the intensity that they try to bring in with the cinematography, with these long pauses, these really weird camera angles? They brought in the same guy who edited Bohemian Rhapsody. BJ, have you seen that clip? What clip? There's a clip that's been making the rounds on the internet of... Basically, as we all know, Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book were both not good movies that were inexplicably awarded heavily by this season. They were made for award season instead of being made to be good movies. And not for the audiences that are featured in those movies or not featured. Yes. But in Bohemian Rhapsody, some film critic was like, say what you will about Green Book. At least it tells a story in a linear way. Mm Mm-hmm. You couldn't even call Bohemian Rhapsody a film or a movie that is worthy of even viewing to determine whether it should get any awards. And he put up like a two and a half minute clip of Queen meeting their potential agent for the first time. And the way that the scene is cut, there are so many jump cuts. There are so many different camera angles. The extras look different in the background in every scene. (laughs) they won for editing and it is the strangest editing really lack thereof that i've ever seen and i feel like that same guy went right on over to the nbc lot and was like oh i'll do y'all show it's fine there were so many pauses and so many different angles there was one angle of a crash where it looked like someone dropped the camera because it was shot between the two cars pointing up, but all you could see was broken glass. So I I don't get what kind of cool effect that may have been going for. Yeah, that's usually the angle they reserve for first person of a victim yes. in the car crash, where it's like yes. you're seeing it as the person lying on the ground hurt. Yes. But this was actually just the cameraman just dropped it there and was like, hmm, mm-hmm. I can still see the car. So we'll use this film. That shot wasn't from anyone's angle. Mm -hmm. but ours, the viewer. Yeah, just for us to see. So strange. It was such a strange shot. And there were so many pregnant pauses. Yeah, multiple times Erica and Will aren't talking. They're just in the room together, looking at each other, and they're just intensely staring. And you're just like, is this a conversation? Or what what are you looking at? And that happens more than once. I think this ties in with the show's quote unquote, big twists Okay, is they are considering certain interactions or just certain dialogue as way more important and way heavier than the viewer is taking it. Mm -hmm. When they kept pausing during their conversation, I personally didn't get it, but I can see how maybe a writer or whoever was blocking the scene was like, oh, the viewer is going to need to sit with that for a second. Yeah, so maybe they're using those pauses for emphasis. And I would hate it if the writers really are looking down on the audience so much that they're like, let me give you time to think about what this could mean. (laughs) And then we'll move on to the next line. Yes, paced exactly like that. It's like, okay, this is not political, but it's like when Mike Pence presented at some global summit last week and he mentioned Trump's name and the room was completely silent and he paused for applause. (laughs) And so there was just (laughs) silence for a few very heavy seconds. 
And after it happened, Mike Pence and I think Sarah Sanders tried to twist it as it was a moment of silence out of respect for the president and not <laughs> and not a dearth of applause. I'm rolling my eyes, listeners. <laughs> so I'm feeling not quite as politically consequential, but I'm feeling a similar energy in this where they're like, oh, this is going to hit them. And it didn't. It did not land. Okay, Beej, it's time to pay the light bill. For our listeners, this episode is brought to you by Audible. What are you listening to this week? Well, in keeping with our political thriller theme, I'm listening to The Mm. President is Missing by President Bill Clinton and author James Patterson. This book is fun, messy, and a thrill ride. And it features the superstar narrator, Dennis Quaid. Love me some mess. That sounds dope. You can find that book or any other at audibletrial.com slash thepilotpod. You'll get a free 30-day trial membership, be able to browse their unmatched selection of audio programs, and pick a title to download free and start listening. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash thepilotpod. Happy listening. And now back to our show. But I want to get back to what you were talking about with the action. So there is not only drama and they're trying to build suspense, but they do put in some action scenes. Lots of just aggressive over the top shooting of people. Yes. Unnecessary blood. Yes. Which leads me to this question, Me Too. If you wanted to visit the person you love the most in the world. Okay. Would you be willing to knock out your own tooth? Would I be willing to ram a metal tray into my mouth to knock out a tooth to see my mama and my daddy? Long enough just to say, hey. I'll answer the question. I'll play fair. I know you won't. If <laughs> if I were for some reason detained and there isn't any reason for me to be detained, whoever is listening, then yeah, I would do anything to see my parents. That's fine, I guess. You would knock out your own tooth with a metal pan i would pass out it would be ineffective but if i had thought of it then clearly this is a me too that's operating on a different level than the me too of right now because the me too of right now i don't even like when i cut my own hand if i'm chopping vegetables i make my partner take care of it okay i like that you would try it might not work but you would try what would you do it why would i be in detainment I said there would be no reason for me to be detained. And there's even less of a reason for me to be detained. What do you mean there's... Let's not get into this. But I do want to talk about that scene a little bit. So, listeners, Erica Shepard rams a tray into her mouth. Well, she runs with a tray against her teeth into a wall Mm -hmm. to knock out her tooth, to go to the dentist, to get one of those little tools to open her handcuffs. And when the dentist turns around or leaves the room for just a little bit, she breaks through the glass of the dentist's office or in in the little examination room Mm -hmm. and is immediately street level and able to run away. And no one hears her leave. And no one reacts for a while. It bears the question, is it that easy to leave a federal detainment facility? I'm going to have to say no. That was a strange part of the episode. What I'm now thinking is the writers want us to take it as she is a highly skilled CIA Mm -hmm. operative. So she knows exactly how to get out of detainment by the FBI. The enemy within. Although it's questionable as to whether she's an enemy, she knows all your tricks. So if she's working against you, she knows exactly how to do it. Is she the enemy? No. Okay. I didn't think so either. 
I don't think so. Based on the trailer and that twist of it was because of her daughter. I bet there's going to be multiple enemies within. Yes. Well, she kind of alluded to that. Yeah. So she rams her teeth into the wall to escape federal detainment Mm -hmm. for just a day because she knows she'll be caught. Yeah. And all she does with that time is go stand outside her daughter's school when her daughter is getting out of class. Mm -hmm. And I understand why she'd want to see her daughter and tell her daughter that she loves her. Mm -hmm. But she put her daughter through the trauma of watching her have 20, 25 guns trained on her as she was taken back into federal custody. Yeah. And I didn't quite understand the motivation. And I wonder if it would have been not as satisfying, but better if she had looked on at her daughter from a distance and then turned herself back in or let herself get caught somewhere else. I know that she got to say, I love you to her daughter. And she got to see her daughter say, I love you back, which must have been big for her, but felt a little selfish. I mean, your idea of the distant watching is very cinematic, and I feel like that would work great in a movie. But I think here, they really wanted to just up the action and maybe re-traumatize the daughter who's probably seen, you know, multiple YouTube videos of her mom originally getting arrested. True. You know, why not just give her that little reminder? Three years later, you remember when this happened? No? Let's recreate it for you and your friends. Yeah. (laughs) Let's make a mixtape. (laughs) My greatest arrest hits. So that moment with her daughter, the moment with Will Keaton where there's the big reveal that was she did it all to keep her daughter safe. Mm -hmm. All the twists, Mm -hmm. as small as they may be, All of that considered, it feels like the show is taking itself really seriously. Mm -hmm. And I'm nervous that it won't just be a fun procedural. So not fun in the sense of, I'm not expecting jokes out of this show, Mm -hmm. but there were so many tears and there were so many pregnant pauses. And there were so many moments where it felt like they thought they were making The Wife or something, like just some seriously intense movie instead of, A procedural about federal agents trying to track down a terrorist. Yeah, it does seem like they have high standards for themselves that they aren't actually meeting. This is like a growing pain situation where this pilot is setting things up and they'll find their rhythm in the following episodes. So -hmm. like they'll kind of figure out what tone works best for them and how to pull that off. I really like Jennifer Carpenter. So I'm just hoping they don't make the mistake that Quantico made where the first season was really fun, Mm -hmm. but then the second season took itself way too seriously and that's what got it canceled because they found their rhythm back in the third season, but it was too late. They'd already been canceled. And it feels like the enemy within is starting out the gate with that season two Quantico energy and (laughs) we do not need that. I think this is a good time to head into our ratings. I think we're we're starting to give our final opinions. So now that it's giving off Quantico season two vibes, which guys, that was a really weird season because halfway through they even flipped the plot again. So with that, what do you think of The Enemy Within on NBC? (sighs) PJ, you know I'm an extremely positive person, so I feel uncomfortable when I have to give this review, but I would not watch this again. Wow. And I would say to our listeners who love procedurals, Mm -hmm. it may be more fun to just go back and check out Castle and Bones and shows that have already aired or 
new shows now that are a little bit more fun, like The Rookie. I just don't know that The Enemy Within, at least based on this pilot, has is encouraging me to watch more episodes. It was just so intense. It's good when a show about crime or people who fight crime talks about the emotional effects of it. It's good that it's serious and they show that these things really affect people because it is kind of wild that on other shows, you know, people die and then within two episodes, everyone's moved on. But this was just like too intense. What about you? So I kind of like your approach to the review, even though you're pretty harsh on them. But (laughs) Don't say that. (laughs) I wouldn't watch it again. I do think that there are other shows that pull off the whole FBI, CIA procedural better than this. This show does seem like it has potential. But like you, I recommend other shows. In particular, I'm going to give a shout out to Jennifer Carpenter's might have been the last show she did, or one of the last ones, the Limitless TV series based off the movie. Yes, way better. It was really good procedural. It did get canceled because not enough people appreciated it, but that's worth watching seriously. Or watch Jennifer Carpenter in White Chicks. She's great in that movie. Yeah, so our final review is check out Jennifer Carpenter's other work. Yes, I co-sign. I like that. Well, if you also want to find shows that don't star Jennifer Carpenter that are worth watching, check out our reviews at thepilotpodcast.com. And you can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. Please be sure to leave us that five-star rating and review. Because we're dime pieces. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can like us on Facebook at The Pilot Podcast. You can send thoughts, feedback, shows you want us to review. We had a couple really good email suggestions of shows we should review. So those are coming up. And one of our listeners emailed and said that she likes the very unfair scenarios that you put me through, which I was tempted to hide from you because I didn't want those to be encouraged. But in any case, for some reason, people like it when you torture me, BJ. It's not torture. It's love. So send your thoughts, feelings, show suggestions, feedback, questions, and anything else to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.